Do you like to get clarity on your daily focus to reduce stress? Would you like to learn how to calm your mind or how to manage change in your life or stress in your life? Would you like to be a better communicator? Would you like to improve your ability to concentrate to increase your creativity? These are only a few of the topics that today's guest will cover. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great ride. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. The guests on my show have done just that. No matter how difficult the circumstances were in their lives or what they were facing, they never gave up. And as a result, they became successful as victors instead of victims. Each one of my guests has a phenomenal story. All of us love stories. Today's story, I have with me David Hennessy. He is going to share not just his story, but also a program entitled Wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, Technique, to bring positive changes into your life. I'm so excited to have David Hennessy. Welcome, David. Thank you very much, Carl. I'm really excited to be sharing this opportunity with you. It's great. Thank you for the invitation. As always, I never ever give up hope. Let's start with a time in your life when you felt lost and hopeless. There were a couple, I think, believe three things that happened all back to back that threw you into a time in your life when you had to regroup. You moved to France to support your mother-in-law when your father yes. died, and mm-hmm. then she died. And you were in two car accidents, and then you had a rock climbing accident, leaving you unable to walk for six months. So tell us the story about these happenings in your life, if you would, please. Yes, um, indeed, Carl. I revisit these, and I revisit them actually quite rapidly in my mind, because one of the things that happened when those experiences occurred is I spent too much time dwelling on them. And Mm. uh, before I expand on the story a little bit, I will say that it was an important lesson that I was one of the turning around points. But to fill in the timeline a little bit, in 2009, I moved to France um, with my family. Uh, My mother-in-law needed us to be there for her, so we moved. In fact, just to clarify, um, my dad uh, was still alive when I moved to France, and he passed away, and he was one of my mentors. As a young teenager, he always 
you know, said, David, you know what? It wouldn't it be great if they taught people how to use their minds in high school, even younger, <laughs> so that as we got older. Now, this is many years later. I haven't seen that happening really on a, on a large scale, which I'd love to see happen. And I carry that passion that my dad had with me now that he, uh, since he passed away. Uh, when I was in France, then my mother-in-law passed away. And then... Uh, it was kind of like a snowball effect, a compounding effect. I had the experience where I was in a car accident. I was stopped in traffic. Somebody ran into me on a motorcycle. They were fine, but it was a shock. And I recovered from that. Then a year later, almost on the anniversary, I was different location. So avoiding the other location, shall we say, but a different location in traffic. And a guy ran into me in a truck this time. Um, and then I hadn't got my hands on the steering wheel. That was one of the funny things. We were so stopped in traffic. I was just like sitting there, like waiting for traffic. And that hurt a lot. I went through, um, you know, some work on that. And then I, about a year later after that, I love rock climbing. And I decided to start rock climbing. You know, things in our lives, Carl, where you think, hmm. I'd love to do this and we never do them. Right. Eventually, I decided to do them. And I, I was a late starter, as people would say. And I went to a center to learn how to climb indoors so I could adapt that technique to outside. I came down harshly from a wall too fast, hit my legs to the ground, felt an electric shock, oh, didn't really word. realize what had happened until this was a Tuesday. But on the Thursday, I knew there was a problem. I, I had enormous pain once my body had given me the chance to feel the pain. They took me in for an MRI, the hospital. They scanned me inside that metal tube. Uh, probably some of your listeners have had the experience of an MRI for different reasons. And then afterwards, interestingly in, in France, they had like a surgeon, uh, experienced doctor, and he looked at the, the scan right away and he said, well, I would recommend an operation. You choose whatever you want to do. Okay. And in my mind right away, Carl was like, I don't want an operation. I know right. two people that have had bad operations. What happened then, um, to move a little bit rapidly, is I remember lying at home on the couch where it was the only place I could sleep with my legs elevated, thinking about my children who were quite young at the time, thinking about my wife at the time, how can I support my family? Being that I couldn't move around without extraordinary pain, I was dependent on people, couldn't do the work that I was doing easily at all actually and then of course um i couldn't do rock climbing for sure and i couldn't hike which i'd done for many years and i was lying there and i kind of decided i have to do something here and i did a couple of things that you and i have talked about before where i focused on keeping my state of mind positive <laughs> by listening to humor um, I remember, um, I think it was Norman Cousins who wrote a book, The Anatomy of Wellness, and he talked about the idea how he had cured himself through basically spending time listening to like the the, uh, the Marx Brothers and stuff. I right, wasn't listening right. to the Marx Brothers, but I was like, <laughs> I gotta I gotta keep my spirit up. And yeah. then the other thing was, I I physically I didn't drugs weren't working, they weren't getting rid of the pain, and I wanted to feel my body and see how I was doing so I wasn't hurting it by any sort of movement. But I took the time to work on my mind and literally, it's hard perhaps for most people to comprehend this, but I know it had a definite impact. Is I, in my mind at this point where I thought like, this is really low for me to go, I've got to work on my mindset and believe that it's possible that this will pass. And that's what I did. And 
That was in April of 2014. And in October, I remember it was my first time I could walk around the block and I was totally <laughs> ecstatic. Yeah. And every day now, I always go for a walk really in gratitude, even if it's five or 10 minutes that I can walk without pain. And very often we don't appreciate what we had until we lose it, right? Exactly. That's one of the keys. And the one thing I alluded to, if I may share, Carl, I, I think it's a really poignant thing. I have a lot of wonderful friends that at this moment in time, uh, and still with me, they really supported me going through what I was going through because they'd seen that kind of negative compounding effect happen in my life. But I recognize something that I think is important for your, your great listeners to consider. I mean, this is my experience. Every time I talked to one of my friends, they would ask me, Carl, about the experiences that I'd had. And they were like, David, you know, one of these things would have been enough. Losing your dad, those things. this was a lot. And they were great listeners. They are great listeners. And I was retelling the story, thinking about it, and almost emotionally reliving it every time I spoke with people. And I don't remember when the exact moment in time happened, Carl, but I did make a mental click where I said, I got to stop talking about this. And just focus on the positive. So that was something I think is extraordinarily important. Because if even if you have wonderful, loving friends that listen to you share your stories, there's a time that it comes that you got to stop talking about them. I totally agree and understand because people respond or react to our attitudes. And if yes. you have a negative one, they respond in kind. If you have one where you are laughing your way through life, they'll either join you or think you're crazy. But yeah. nonetheless, they're responding, right? <laughs> yes. And I appreciate you saying that because uh, I think it's a, a valid point. Also, I wanted to talk to you along that same line about the emotions that you went through because when you're going through a healing process, it is a battle. And yeah. that battle, I know you're going to address this, is predominantly in your mind. Yes. So as you're going through that battle, those emotions that come up obviously affect your attitude. So you've got a double whammy. You have to overcome the battle in the mind and you have to overcome the battle in your body. So how yes. did you deal specifically, if you can share maybe an in instance or whatever, however you want to answer, with these emotions and to maintain a good attitude? Yes, it's a very, very good question, Carol. And the emotions that I experienced most were sadness. Mm. Uh, it wasn't really anger. I wasn't angry at anybody. I knew I was responsible for what had happened in terms of the rock climbing because I chose to be doing the rock climbing. And that was the thing that kind of was the... Um, the straw, you know, that they say the uh -huh. straw that broke the camel's back, which is not really an appropriate thing to say because <laughs> it was my back that was involved. But anyways, my thoughts come out of my mind sometimes uh, unfiltered and I just did that. So uh, the that, the sadness I helped conquer with something I mentioned before was the humor, literally either reading or listening to humor to help make the mental shift. Because in ourselves, uh, we have the capacity to change our emotional state by changing our physical state. So if you cannot move around because of reasons like if you're immobilized for something that happened to your body, then you have to work on it by changing your mental state. So if you just I, we hadn't talked about this before, but you know what? When, when people um, are sitting down and they're feeling sad, 
Uh, and then for, for whatever reason, they get up and they start walking around and even pushing their arms into the air, you know, like you've you know, mm-hmm. you won the competition or something. This actually changes your emotional state because you can control it by your physical position. And not everybody knows that, but it's actually very, very interesting. So if you're feeling a little bit down and out or quite down and out, one of the first things you can do to empower yourself is to actually physically move, if that's possible. So this is one of the reasons why potentially people who go for a walk, moving their body can help. I mean, on a, on a physiological basis, you, you might want to consider that, you know, our in our lymphatic system that runs in our body, it doesn't have a pump. Uh, and when you actually walk and move around, that's what moves all the lymphatic system to help pump mm-hmm. out the toxins. Not to get too much into the biology of it, but there's value behind yeah, that. Right. And this is why people feel good. And when they move their body, you know, it doesn't have to be running that they do, but there's many different activities that you can do that can change your emotional state. So if you can't do it physically, you can work on it psychologically. And the technique I used was humor. And I, you know, I, I look at life with my own humorous approach and I really think it's the humor that I have that I, you know, live with in my life and how I perceive things now that have really helped me as well. I'm glad you brought that up because my husband was in a car accident that left him with a brain injury. That was 30 years ago and he has had to deal with what is called chronic pain syndrome ever since. Now, so how my husband dealt with the pain was to change the focus. And he said he would just literally move his focus off the pain. Can you address that, please? Yes, this is actually very, very interesting that you would say this, Carl, because sometimes people can have a physical injury. And even on my personal basis, when I wasn't thinking about the pain, like if you have something you're working on healing, just simply like, I mean, there's been times in my life where I've injured my, uh, um, my knee or something from hiking or something. And when I'm thinking about it, you actually focus more on the item and you feel the pain more. Now, you don't want to ignore pain because you don't want to hurt yourself more. But when we move our focus away like your husband did, you actually give the body the time it needs to heal. Mm -hmm. And your attention is elsewhere. And if you're focusing your attention on a more positive thing at that moment in time, you're actually helping the body nourish itself. And there's something else I want to share that is going to sound quite different to a lot of people. There's a book by Joe Hyman's, and in that particular book, I'm pretty sure he wrote about the following, which we haven't talked about before, but he had a very bad hand injury um, from doing karate, and he'd broken a a lot of bones in his fingers. And the doctor told him, this is going to take six months, a year, or may never heal properly, Carl. And somehow in his life experience, when uh, Joe had gone home, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering it as Joe. Maybe he was telling the story about somebody else in the book, but the point is still valid. He imagined as he went to sleep at night, there was a construction site taking place on his hand, rebuilding. Now imagine this, rebuilding the bones. He went back to his doctor and and went, after, I think, a couple of months, and the injury had really, really healed. Now, I used this approach to work on my back. I believed my back was healing. I saw my back healing. And after I had the first MRI, which I still have it, to see the herniated discs, I insisted on getting another MRI done in December of that same year, where normally they won't do it because you, they said they told me you can't do this because you don't need it because you had the injury. 
um, we don't need to retest. And I said, I want to know if it's psychological. Am I accepting the pain or has the hernias actually dissipated? So I was very fortunate. I found a doctor here in France who said, okay, I understand where you're coming from. We can do it. So they did a new MRI and yes, the hernias were virtually gone. Oh my goodness. And Yes. Now, I mean, we have to look at this from a, a scientific approach to say that literally, you know what, when we cut our hands and you feel some pain as the hand is healing, that's like the body is is knitting together, the, the cells together. Like the cells are come, touching each other and they're bonding, like they're working together. And when you feel that itchy kind of feeling in a scar, that's because the skin is getting tighter, right? You've probably had this experience. Most people oh, listening course. probably had this experience. The body is a phenomenal system. So if you direct your energy to say, listen, focus on that, please, there's no reason why your body will go focus on something else. So, and it's like uh, we talked a little bit about before the placebo and the noxebo effect, like the placebo effect most people have heard of, which is roughly 30% of people will get a positive result during a test when they've been given not a medication, but like a sugar tablet, but 30% of the people will see an improvement if they believe there's going to be an improvement. Of this course. is the power of our mind, right? Now, I'm not sure um, if your listeners, perhaps you are, Carl, aware of the noxibo effect, which is the inverse, meaning that 30% of the people approximately, if they anticipate a negative result to happen, they get that. So they, we really, 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 and underline it a thousand times or to infinity, have to be very aware of the power of our mind. And the compounding effect that we have in our lives when we go to make our lives better will build positively over time or will build negatively. It's all within our choice and our daily decisions. And every decision we make every day, when we're conscious of them, can be things that improve our lives for the better. You don't make goals yearly. You don't make them monthly. You don't make them weekly. In my opinion, you make them daily. And in fact, I go through my goals first thing in the morning and last thing at night every day. And if I didn't want to go through those goals, Carl, they would not be my goals because wouldn't I want to think about the things that I want to experience and that I'm grateful for in my life? You said about nine things there that I was jumping up and down, but I know that you couldn't see me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, because you're doing by And audio. I got so excited, oh, I didn't write oh, them yeah. down, so... <laughs> Anyway, there were many, many points you made, and I applaud each of them because they are so important in the healing process. And even what we are going through as globally right now with COVID, I mean, attitude plays such a major role. Would you like to address that at all? Yes, I would, actually. And it's um, from my perspective, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning, my, the program I created, which is a holistic approach to personal development called the Wonder Technique, I did create this in late 1999-2000. So it's a few years ago. And the reason why I mentioned that is this because when these things happened, uh, up accumulating in 2014, and you know things have happened since 2014, uh, but my ability to deal with them was based upon active practice that I'd done prior to that moment in time. Meaning that as we work on dealing with things this year, last year, all the things that we're able to manage in our lives right now, Carl, are based upon the habits that we've already in place. So if you're having a difficult moment in time, and I don't want to just earmark things because of the coronavirus, I want to look at any time in your life when you have that, you have to say, okay, 
I am where I am at this moment in time in life based upon everything I did up to this moment in time. I, I accept this. Now, what can I do to change things for the future mm-hmm. and then work on those habits? Now, it's very empowering because when you take 100% of responsibility, you may not want to, but when you can take 100% of responsibility, then you have a real sense of freedom. Because if you have a challenge in a relationship, whether it's in work or personal, and you want to give the responsibility to somebody else, then you're actually, you, if somebody else had 100% responsibility in your relationship, you'd actually be a mess because you'd have nothing you could do to, to change things. So when you take the reverse and say, okay, we had a disagreement, I, you know, whatever it was, I'll take 100% responsibility and work on dealing this, you know, and, and move forward in a positive way. So when you take that power back to yourself, it's, it's, it's really healthy. The second thing is, as I mentioned, resilience is really important. And resilience comes what I call resilience in advance. You work on daily habits that help you over time. So, for example, I when I talk about the winter technique being holistic, to give a couple of samples to people to make it really, really simple, when you hydrate your body, when you spend time outside in fresh air, okay, when I'm saying fresh air, I'm talking about in nature, as against where there's, you know, traffic circulating around. You spend time making sure you have a nourishing night's sleep. You eat the right foods that are actually real foods that are supporting your body. You spend time really with good people that you love and enjoy time with. And here's a little tip here for for your good listeners. I'm sure you know this, Carl, is that if you want to know if a relationship is good, you leave the time with that person feeling with more energy. You don't leave the experience with them feeling worse. That's a good clue as to whether this is something that's working for you. Now, if you have a relationship with somebody where you have to spend time with somebody where you don't feel great after the experience, the best thing you can do at this moment in time is to reduce the amount of time you spend with them. Because I know people have certain circumstances where, you know, you're in, whether it's at work or family that you're like, this person that doesn't work well with them. So you're, you're developing tools over time that will help you as you move into the future. And that, that I call resilience in France. For example, I have a fire extinguisher in my home. I never had a fire. I have a, I have a um, battery cables in the, in the back of my car. And I've used them so many times to help other people. I've never used them for my own car. That's an example of resilience in advance externally because you're prepared in case something happens. And by having those tools uh, in your life, it actually really helps you feel stronger and feel more at peace when times are challenging. I have to throw some humor in here that I think you'll get a kick out of. It has nothing to do okay. with what you just said, but because I, I do have a question I'm going to ask you. Yeah. But when you were saying that about the battery cables, in yes. my car, um, someone needed a jump and we couldn't find the battery (laughs) oh wow this i've seen people who can't find them yeah but no but here's the here's the 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 craziest part is that the battery is under the passenger seat oh my gosh and it is very difficult to get to and i've never had a car like that before and so it gives me a good excuse. If someone asks for a jump, I can say no. No, that. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be legitimate. I'm not trying to say I'm trying to get out of it. Because as you said, we used to, you know, you help people so often. And that's true. You have the, the point I'm making is we have the tools. We have to know how to use them. 
Yeah, and you you accumulate the tools over time. Exactly. This is what it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to, along that same line, say that you are not special in that um, you have certain tools that no one else has. And Mm -hmm. exactly as you just said, you develop those tools. We all have them. So expound on that a little bit more. Yes. Uh, In fact, when I put together the wonder technique, my motivation came a couple of years after my mom had gone through cancer. My motivation was to simplify things as easy as possible so that I could take care of myself. Meaning that I didn't know how to take care of my health and well-being before then. I studied and spent a lot of time with my mind inside of scientific journals, ignoring everyday articles and just looking for the science. If I saw something, I was like, okay, what's, is this real? Like, is you know, the research, is it like four people on a period of one week and this is where they got the results or is this a good study? So I know how to look at a good study. So I started to look in for the trends and now 20 years later, I can still see that the information that I looked at is still valid. In fact, some of these things are even more valid. When I started, for example, I was seeing more and more people talking about the importance of hydration to help people manage stress in their life, to reduce headaches, etc. Now, it's not the only reason why someone has a headache, but often it's just dehydration, aches and pains throughout the body. There was a lot of information coming out at that time, but something that wasn't so common was the importance of sleep, Carl. And now, like, there's a, a well-known book, Why Sleep Matters by Matthew Walker. Lots of great information in there. Some of it's quite heavy and scientific, but I would recommend that anybody to read this. He goes very deep and he explains, for example, how our creativity, how our memory works. And basically, he sums up the, the book to say, if you want to die younger or you want to be unable to be able to reproduce uh, children in your uh, like create children in your life, be fertile, Sleep less. He says you're damaging yourself like crazy because sleep is so, so important. 20 years after the wonder technique, I created it. One part of it was the importance of sleep and how it interacted with all the other parts of the holistic program. I see tons of information supporting that. So really, most people, if you, if I really, my goal, actually, to be very honest with you, you haven't asked me this, but I'm going to throw it in here. My goal is to bring everybody up to what I call C-level, elder knowledge of what it takes to take care of your health and well-being. Because so many people are dealing with, and it's true, information that's not very clear, that's repeated, that's someone's just an opinion, but it's not supported. And if everybody had all those tools in place in their lives, then they could do whatever they wanted, whether they're going to climb Mount Everest, whether they're going to, you know, do whatever they want to do. They're not concerned about the wellness issue. And the fundamentals of health and wellness, in my opinion, and I can always be wrong, I think are really quite clear. And and when it comes to nutrition, if you want to look at the idea, you know, what people often joke about, well, my grandmother used to say that, you know. When you think of like, which is better, orange juice or an orange, the closer it is to its original origin, the better the food is going to be for you. Absolutely. You know? And and so the less refined, the better. The fresher it is, the better. And when we, these are, people are going to say, David, that's so simple. And that's my point. You know, in the importance of creating, like, for example, for your listeners to know, I have a whole package of free gifts that they can receive at no charge if they go to the wondertechnique.com. And one of those things is the better sleeping checklist, one page. And one of the items that I mentioned on there, if you want to sleep better, is you create a routine. So every night, 
at approximately the same time, like very close to the same time, you go to bed and you get up at the same time the next day. You don't change this on the weekend. I mean, I have to, my heart goes out to the people who have night shifts and everything and erratic systems. But the majority of people can create a routine. Psychologically, your mind really tunes into that. We love routines. You know, we when we, we establish them, we can do them. And it really helps you manage your health better. So over the years, I've worked with clients and I've worked in my own life of establishing habits and routines that makes people it makes it easier for people to be actually take the action they want in their lives. It becomes an automatic thing. That's where I'm at. What What do you think about the idea that things are really simple and straightforward? And I think that because they're so simple, people are avoiding the simplicity and looking for the complicated. What's your feeling on that? I couldn't agree more because, first of all, nutrition. I've been a health coach for the last 35 years, and that is precisely what I tell people the closer you are to nature the better it's going to be and that goes along with the simplicity of it the basic orange versus orange juice or concentrated or whatever so yes Mm -hmm. absolutely and you know the old expression from my youth which is k-i-s-s keep it simple stupid yes (laughs) That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking as, as you were talking too. We don't need to complicate truth. Truth is yes. very basic. Truth is very simple. And when we complicate it and try to make it go deeper, it gets so deep we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I agree 100% with, with what you're saying there. Also, I wanted you to address something that we talked about at one occasion that we spoke earlier, and that is creativity. Could you? Oh, yes. Yes. So let's just talk about that a little bit. I think the power of creativity is underestimated because I believe that tied to us as human beings, Carl, creativity is very, very nourishing because it allows us to kind of expand out into the world, to make a difference. Because an idea, and creativity can be anything very simple. It doesn't have to be you're doing some fantastic painting. You can just be drawing with pencils on a piece of paper. You're doing something that didn't exist before. That's creativity. You're making something. People who dance, you're listening to music without a format to the dance, are being creative. When you're cooking, you know, uh, you can be creative. You're, there's many different areas in our lives that people are being creative. People in the past used to do, and I know people now that are doing it where they're like knitting and crocheting, they're making stuff, they're creating. We seem to have lost the desire to do that because we tend to get our people to do it. But I think as human beings, we are we not are we need to be creative and that allows us to get away from the boredom of repetition of things that are already done for us so that's something that i know that you know someone who's written about creativity and i think it's an important thing for people to explore because it takes us away from being shall we say bored in life although i don't know if i've ever really been bored but feeling like what should i do and allows us to do something that brings an example of ourselves to the world. Does that make sense? Totally. And I remember as a kid, you know, I would say to my mom, I'm so bored. And Mm. my mom would say, find something to do. Instead of today, I think a lot of kids are just, you know, they're into um, all the video apparatuses. And so they don't know how to create and find something to do. Mm -hmm. And so we also need to teach our children this. 
to learn how to create. Do you have any thoughts on that? In fact, the greatest thing for creativity is to allow the children to explore their own experience. And we talked about this before, and somebody I know allows um, her daughter to find creativity when she feels her daughter i mean her daughter says that she feels a bit bored because children are very creative they haven't pushed that out of their mind and when you sit down and you watch children they will just imagination whether it's with different types of toys whether it's building blocks they will just allow it to happen and i think as as adults too we need to allow the experience to happen as well not have a end point in mind but just allow us to do something that's why i say choose something that you like whether it's to draw what is to write and be non-judgmental because it doesn't it doesn't matter but who is the one the person to say that that's really correct or that's really beautiful because you've probably seen some poetry in your lifetime where you go i don't like that but some people have said, that's wonderful. It doesn't matter what other people think. It just right, matters that right. you, you created it. So when it comes to children, I will say that adults too now are more um, involved in using video games and, and so forth. It surprised me when I found this out. That it, it allowing the opportunity, as you mentioned, to have boredom and allowing the opportunity to say, like, what can I do? And you know what? You can as an adult. I know somebody actually um, who ended up being an architect, but actually used to play a lot with Lego, even as an adult. Hmm. Yeah, to explore the creativity of design. So, you know, just give, you could just go buy out. If someone's listening to this and go, okay, what can I do? Well, maybe buy yourself, you know, some Lego or some little wooden building blocks and just sit down and, and literally explore. It's it's a, just a different way of looking at things. I love to write. Uh, and I, w I don't write always with the intention of writing for my work, just for the pleasure of writing to see what comes out yes, of my mind. Yes. And I believe you're working on a book. Is that correct? Am I remembering correctly? Here? Yes, that's right. And I, I yes. try to write, well, as much as possible. And mm -hmm. and it, it is a healing technique as well for when you're going yes. through something. That's why journaling is so important. And actually, the lady that you mentioned about the creativity, that's one of the things when she went through extreme trauma in her life was she began journaling and I think that's very important what you just brought up is to is to write it down write your feelings down read it back later and yeah. you know relate to what you have written and it can help you and possibly help others uh, if you t do turn it into something which, which uh, many For of sure. us have right as writing book now one thing I'd like you to address is your courses tell us about them what's available etc I will and then if I if you if you don't mind just after that I want to talk about a little bit we talked about before framing the day which relates to the journaling that you just talked about well, talk uh, about that people, first talk about that first then okay I'll talk about that first uh, I actually for now I mean the one technique been around 20 years but f almost three years now I have what I call framing the day it's kind of like a protocol but it's a system that I I use at the beginning and the end of the day. And for those people who are listening, you're probably familiar with the idea as we go to sleep, as we drift into sleep, and as we wake up in the morning, there's that kind of foggy, kind of dizzy, not dizzy, but like a foggy moment where we're drifting off to sleep. This is a moment as we're transitioning from our beta waves where we're, you know, active talking like we are right now, you and I, Carl, and we're moving through alpha and then into theta as you go asleep. As you drift through here, this is an opportunity for you to take advantage of the susceptibility of your subconscious mind. 
So what I do at night just before I go to sleep is I will write down five things I'm grateful for. I have a notebook. I have a whole bunch of these notebooks. Five things that I'm grateful for that happened that day. And let me tell you, I do it in the morning too. And one of the things that I wrote down that I'm grateful for was something that hadn't happened yet this morning, which was this podcast tonight. So I write down things in advance as well. So I write down at nighttime five things I'm grateful for. And then as I go to sleep, I focus on, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the the things that are important in my life, the relationships with people that I have, being grateful for that, being grateful for my health and well-being. And almost like a film, I'm seeing it happening. It's not just a repetition, I feel great, I feel healthy, I appreciate my... I actually go through the experiences that I remember with my friends and just really to live that experience again. And if I fall asleep while I'm thinking about that, that's great because I'm going to sleep with happy thoughts. I'm not thinking about bad news. I'm not thinking about other things. I'm going into sleep. And that really helps because if we go into sleep and we hit the point of what rapid eye movement, REM movement in our bodies, that stage really, the body works on dealing with emotional conflict. So it's really good to be bringing positive emotions into your sleep. And then as I wake up in the morning, I do the reverse. As I start to wake up, I'm thinking about those things that are important to me. And before I get out of bed, without a doubt, I write down the five things that I'm grateful for at that moment in time. And it's not important what they are. It can be that I have clothes to wear, you know, food to eat. It's just the point that you're tuning your mind to focus on the positive. That's what's really important. So I frame the day with acts of gratitude and a positive approach. Excellent. And now your course? The courses that uh, I have, there's 10 different courses I actually have at this moment in time. Some of them are how to focus your mind, focus and concentrate better. Another one is how to become more resilient. Another one is for how to sleep well and wake up energized. And each one of those courses is the 10 courses and they can find it online. There's the mini courses. They're all coming with a workbook, video, and then multiple audio. So, and people who decide they want to participate in that membership program that I have, Carl, they can take as many courses as they want. Like it, their access gives them access to everything. Okay. So I wanted to make sure people can do that. And each one of those courses, when they take them, they will see, for example, how sleeping better impacts your ability to focus better, how everything kind of Inter- cross-pollinates, as I like to think, if that's the correct word, the holistic approach. They will see that when they take the courses, not the, the content's not all the same, but they will see, ah, this helped that. And that's very, very important for people to see. I appreciate that. And I think that when people listen to this podcast is they should listen to it again and in segments and make notes of the, all the different things that you suggested start to incorporate them because there are so many you touch so many areas of our lives and I think I want to underscore one of the most important that I kept thinking as you were talking and that is the simplicity we all have the ability to change and it doesn't have to be complicated you're exactly right, Carl. And actually, one of the books and one of the mini courses is called The Secret in the Simplicity. And one of the things that I mentioned in there is like in relationships. I mean, it's really important to communicate with people. But if you're not listening to the person that you're with, you're most likely going to create conflict and end up with 
the wrong side of the relationship. So really the simplest of things really impact our lives. Like to nourish your relationship, you need to be a great listener. And th that little book is actually a whole bunch of different vignettes, little short passages to remind people the simplicity of how we can change our lives. I want to thank you so much. You gave us a lot to concentrate and develop in our in our lives and many tools. I appreciate everything that you shared and I know that there will be many people who will glean many different things because we don't all get the same thing but you have sure. a lot you know that to offer and I thank you so much for being a guest on Never Ever Give Up Hope and all of your tools and courses etc your will be on your web page and people can access them very easily and I hope that they connect with you thank you again thank you Carl it's been my honor and thank you for everybody that's taking the time to listen to this I really appreciate that thank you for listening to never ever give up hope featuring Carol Graham did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to quitting was never an option Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.